the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the word of the Lord. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy that will be for all people. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Tonight, we conclude our journey to Bethlehem by gathering with a great cloud of witnesses. Mary and Joseph have traveled all the way from Nazareth. The shepherds have left their flocks in the fields to come and see what God has done. The wise men have come from afar following a star and millions of pilgrims around the world today and throughout all of history have come to gaze in awe and wonder at this little baby wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in the manger. This is the one the prophets foretold. His birth was accompanied by signs in the heavens and the singing of angels. He is the eternal word of God incarnate. He is the eternal son of God made flesh. He is the eternal Christ of God, born to save his people from their sins and to bring shalom, peace on earth. Throughout this Advent season, we have been on a journey, a pilgrimage really to Bethlehem. But even as we arrive tonight, we need to stop and reflect on the journey Jesus himself undertook to be with us. The Bible says he emptied himself of all his divine glory. He humbled himself to become a servant. He diminished himself to become one of us, one with us, one for us. Now, what would drive the Lord of the universe to ever do such a thing? In a word, love the boundless, bottomless, matchless, limitless, immeasurable, incomprehensible, perfect love of God. Jesus is the literal embodiment of the love of God, a love so fierce it never stops fighting for us, a love so faithful it never stops pursuing us, a love so deep and profound it lays down its life for us. And tonight, this love meets us right where we are, just as we are. No conditions, no condemnation. This is the love of God that meets us in the person of Jesus Christ, and it is the gift of this great love that we celebrate on Christmas Eve.
Let's pray together. Wow, Father, what a gift. As Pastor Gary shared earlier from your word, Lord, the inexpressible gift of Jesus Christ. That's why this night is different than every other night. That's why after 2,000 years, millions of people around the world still gather on Christmas Eve to sing songs and pray prayers and light candles. It's because deep down inside, we all want this story to be true. We all need this story to be true. We need to believe in a God who will not let us go, a God who will not let the darkness prevail, a God who will not let evil have the final word, have the victory. And the great news of the gospel is that this story is true. This isn't just wishful thinking. This isn't just a false and foolish hope. No, you loved us so much you sent your only Son into the world, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. Jesus came to save us from our sin. Jesus came to deliver us from evil. Jesus came to give us the gift of eternal life. And so, Father, here we are tonight. To gather again around the manger on another Christmas Eve and gaze in awe and wonder at all you have done. We pray that you'd teach us. Teach us how to fully grasp the, the height and the depth and the breadth of the love that you have for us in Jesus Christ. It is in his majestic and matchless name that we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Well, I don't know about you, but I think the best stories are true stories. You know, you think about the most compelling movies that we watch, or you think about the best-selling books that we read, or you think about the stories that really capture our hearts and minds, all of them based on truth, all of them based on events that actually took place involving real people in real places in real time. Well, 2,000 years ago, in a little town called Bethlehem, a place you can actually go to today, a young man and a young, very pregnant woman arrived into town. They were taken into one of the local homes, but they had to stay in the area of that house where they kept the animals for the night because the guest room was full. And during that evening, at some point in time, that young woman went into labor. And the women of the village gathered round, and they assisted her as she gave birth to a beautiful baby boy. And after delivery, they got her settled. She wrapped that little baby in swaddling cloths, laid him in a straw-filled manger that was nearby, and then she asked the women to go and get Joseph, her husband-to-be. Now, you can imagine the women whispering to each other on their way out, gossiping about this child being born out of wedlock, but Mary and Joseph knew the truth. This was no ordinary child. His birth had been foretold by the prophets, announced by the angels, and confirmed by the many strange visitors who would arrive that first Christmas Eve night. Now, throughout this Advent season here at Pepsi, we have been tracing the journey of each group of people as they made their way to Bethlehem. We've talked about Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and the wise men. We talked about the miles they traveled and the challenges they faced and the obstacles they had to overcome. And and we related that to our own journey as well, our own journey of faith. What compels us to take this journey to Bethlehem every single year? What draws us back to the manger year after year? What challenges have we had to face in order to come to faith? What obstacles have we had to overcome in order to believe? And now that we are here, now that we have arrived on this Christmas Eve, I want to shift our focus just a bit. I want to shift it heavenward. Um, and I want to trace the journey 
that Jesus took to be here with us tonight. I don't know if you realize that. We are not the only people on this journey. Jesus had to take a journey to get from heaven to earth to be with us. All evening long, we have been singing the songs of Emmanuel, God with us. That's what that word means. But, but what, is that, what does that actually communicate? I mean, is it just a cliche? Is it an empty platitude that we like to tell ourselves uh, around this time of year? Or does it mean something more, something deeper, something more profound? And this is where we turn uh, to a man named John the beloved disciple of Jesus, and the gospel he wrote for us, which details the journey that Jesus took from heaven to earth that first Christmas Eve. Now, I'm sure you noted, as Bree read, that the gospel of John and the story that he tells is much different than the traditional stories we read about in Matthew's gospel or Luke's gospel. You see, John is not as interested in telling us what happened that first Christmas Eve night as he is wanting to tell us why it happens. John wants us to know, and he wants us to fully grasp as much as we're able with our finite hearts and minds, the life-changing, earth-shaking, world-transforming implications of Jesus' birth. And to do that, he's got to go all the way back to the beginning, back before time and space, back before creation, back into eternity where there was only God. So he says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And those of you who know your Bibles know that John is intentionally using the opening words of the book of Genesis, the very first words of the Bible. In the beginning, Genesis says, God created the heavens and the earth. John is calling to mind for his readers a time before time. He is speaking to their age from the ages. He is writing in their day of the ancient of days, the second member of the Trinity, the only begotten Son of the Father. This little child lying in the manger before us is God's eternal word, according to John. The one who was there at the beginning of all things, um, and, and the one who the word was with, this word was with God, he was God, and now this word is with us, and he has become one of us. He steps into time from a place outside of time in order to make himself known to us, to show his great love for us, to meet us where we are in terms that we can understand. We can all understand the birth of a little baby, can't we? Yeah. It's amazing. Not only is Jesus the eternal word of God who was there at the beginning of all things, John says he's also the creator of all things. The one who spoke all things into existence Let there be light, Jesus said, and let there be the heavens and the earth and the oceans and the seas and all manner of living things. Those were Jesus' words spoken from Jesus' lips at the dawn of creation. Now you think about how much we enjoy creation here in Colorado, amen? Oh, come on, amen? Uh, Come on, I know I can get an amen for that, surely, right? We love looking at the Rocky Mountains. A few years ago, we did an outdoor Christmas Eve service. How many of you were there? Right? Yeah. Wasn't it awesome? Right? We had people saying, we should do this every year. This week is why we don't do it every year, right? It's too cold, right? But, but it was awesome to be up there on the hillside and to look across, out across the Rocky Mountains as we're lighting our candles, praising God. Whenever I go and preach, whether it's in this, you know, across the country here or even around the world, I always tell people, I got home field advantage 
right? God is, just makes himself known. He puts himself on display, all of creation, right? That's what, that's what God did. That's what Jesus did. All of that was in the mind of Jesus before it actually came into being. It was, it's just amazing. And listen to how John describes it. He says, all things, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. He was in the world, this world that he created, and, and the world that it was made through him, and yet the world did not know him, did not recognize him. All things fearfully and wonderfully made for him and by him and through him with his own hands. He is the author and the creator of the universe and all that is in it. He is the one that set the stars and the planets in their courses above. He is the one who established the laws that keep the universe in motion. He is the one that has fine-tuned things in such a way that life cannot just exist and it can actually thrive and flourish. All of this Jesus did. And yet when Jesus came to earth, the world that he had created did not recognize him. Creation was blind to her creator, and that still didn't stop Jesus. He spent his life revealing himself in all sorts of ways, healing disease and casting out demons and raising the dead, proving beyond a shadow of a doubt that he held all authority in heaven and on earth and under the earth. But power, power was not what Jesus was after. He already has all the power he needs. No, what Jesus is after is love. Love and power can't generate love. Power can generate obedience. Power can generate submission, right? It can generate those things, but it can't generate love. And that is what Jesus is after. And so the creator of the universe makes himself vulnerable. He empties himself of his divine glory and power in order to draw near to us and initiate a relationship with us because he wants to love us and he wants to be loved by us. Amen? Yeah, that's the message of Christmas Eve, friends. John says that Jesus is not just the creator of God and not just the word of God. He's actually the life of God. A life that is eternal and immortal and indestructible. A life that cannot be defeated. And it is this life, this very life of God that comes into the world in the person of Jesus to confront death. Now, death is our greatest enemy. It is the thing that we fear the most. It's why the death penalty is like the ultimate punishment. And yet John says, in Jesus there is life, not death. There is life, and that life is the light of all humankind. Jesus says that Jesus himself will confirm those words later on in his ministry when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. You see, Jesus knows our deepest fears, friends. Jesus knows our anxious thoughts. He knows we fear our own death and the deaths of those that we love. He knows we walk with death on a daily basis. It could be old age, it could be disease, tragic accidents, violence, war, crime, you name it. All these things present existential threats to our existence. And so Jesus comes to give us hope. A hope that transcends death. A hope that promises a life beyond this life. A living hope. An eternal hope. A hope that never dies because death itself has been defeated. And not only does Jesus promise us this eternal life, he actually shows us what it looks like when he rises from the dead. We could actually touch it. We could see it. We could wrap our arms around it. All right? Jesus was born to give us eternal life. Life without end. Amen? Yeah. Jesus is not just the eternal life of God. He's also the eternal light 
of God. And this is why the darkness cannot comprehend him. It's why the darkness cannot overcome him. John says the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Remember again, it was Jesus who first said the words, let there be light, and there was light. Before there was a sun or a moon or the stars in the heavens, there was light because God himself is light. And as he neared the end of his life, the, the same John who wrote this gospel received a revelation from God. It's actually the last book of the Bible. It's called Revelation. And in that book, John catches a glimpse of the end of time when New Jerusalem descends out of heaven and, and heaven comes to earth and Jesus returns in all his glory. And on that day, John says, the world will have no need of a sun or a moon to shine on it for the glory of God will give it light and its lamp will be the Lamb. His lamp will be Jesus. Jesus is the light of the world. And on that first Christmas Eve night, the world caught a glimpse, a foretaste of what's to come. Everywhere Jesus went, he chased away the darkness, the darkness of disease, the darkness of depression, the darkness of the demonic, the darkness of injustice, the darkness of oppression, the darkness of death. Everywhere he went, Jesus confronted the principalities and the powers of this world who would conspire to keep us in darkness. Jesus, you see, is Isaiah's great light, the one who was foretold, the one who would come to those walking in darkness, the one who would come to those dwelling in deep darkness. And doesn't that describe us? Doesn't that describe our condition? Doesn't that describe our world, a world of deep darkness? If history teaches us anything at all, it's that humanity, as a general rule, tends to love darkness more than we do the light. And I think if we're probably honest with ourselves, we all resonate with that. We all know what that feels like. We all know what that looks like. We all, we all have experienced that in our lives. And that's why Jesus came, because he knows how afraid we are of the dark. You don't have to teach a child to be afraid of the dark, do you? There's just an instinct within us. We don't like it. We don't like what happens in the dark. And Jesus says, I come to bring the light, to chase it all away. He knows the darkness we face out there in the world. He also knows the darkness we face in here that we struggle with, and he comes to drive it all away once and for all. Jesus comes to give us light. Amen? Yeah. Here's one final claim that John makes about Jesus, and maybe this is the most special of all. Not only is Jesus the Word of God, and the Creator God, and the eternal life of God, and the eternal light of God, but John says he is our Father God, come to claim us, as his own. He is our Abba, the Bible says, our heavenly daddy come to embrace us as his children. He came to his own, John said, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm a parent. I got four kids. I love my kids. I would do anything if they were estranged, if they were far away, if they were struggling, if they were hurt. I would do anything to chase them down and grab hold of them to bring them back home. So would any parent, I imagine. In fact, we joke around in my house, right? Whenever we get into conflict, one of the things that I do is I chase my teenagers around like this right? Got to have a hug first before we start talking, all right? 
Got to make sure you know that I love you before we even, even get into any kind of conversation, before we even start to process. And, of course, they're like, no, thank you, right? I mean, they kind of run. But eventually, eventually they do relent, or I chase them down. I'm faster than them. And, and I grab hold of them, and you can almost feel them take a deep breath, Right? And if you've ever experienced that, you know what I'm talking about. That's what God wants to do for us. What God wants most of all, friends, is a relationship with us. He created us in his image at the dawn of creation for this very purpose. He wants to walk with us and talk with us and spend eternity with us. But we, like my teenage kids, pushed him away. Right? Pushed him away. And the Bible is ultimately the story, not of humanity's search for God, but of God's search for humanity. God would not let us go. He's like the father in the story of the prodigal son, right? Who's always waiting, always hoping, always longing for his sons and his daughters to come back home. And when he sees them coming over the horizon, right? He making, making our way to him. He can't help himself. He runs to us. He embraces us. He kisses us. He tells us how much he loves us, how he accepts us. And he welcomes us into his family. He throws a huge party. He celebrates like you would not believe, all because his children have finally come home, all because his children have finally received him, believed in his name, and are born again. Why does God send his only son into the world? It's to reclaim his family, friends. It's to reclaim his children. It's to reclaim those that he loves. The message of Christmas, if you boil it down, is essentially this. You are loved. You are loved. Now, come on, someone give me an amen to that. Yeah. You are loved with an everlasting love. You are loved with an unconditional love. You are loved more than you deserve. You are loved more than you realize, more than you know. You are loved not for what you do or what you have achieved or what you think you have earned. You are loved simply because God, the creator of the universe, has set his heart on you from eternity. And you are loved because God can't, simply can't stand the thought of being apart from you. It's why he crossed the heavens to come to you. This is the kind of God we worship and adore on Christmas Eve, friends. And so now we come to our journey's end. Jesus is here. It's Christmas Eve. Christ is born. The Word of God has become flesh and blood and moved into our neighborhood, or as John puts it, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And so here's the question for us tonight. How are we going to respond? How do you respond to the greatest news the world has ever been given? How do you respond to the greatest gift that is being offered to you this Christmas Eve night. You've had a chance to see his glory, a glory that descends to us, a glory that meets us in our broken condition, a glory that surrounds us and envelops us and ultimately lifts us up. You've had an opportunity to experience his grace, a grace that is unconditional, a grace that is undeserved, a grace that transforms us from the inside out and makes us new. By that grace, we are saved, the Bible says. By that grace, we are healed, the Bible says. By that grace, we are restored to a deep and intimate relationship with God. And finally, you have been given the opportunity to know his truth, the truth about who Jesus is, the truth about what he came to do, the truth about who we are. And our desperate condition, Jesus reveals God's truth. And it is this truth, friends, that sets us free. 
free to live, free to love, free to serve. This is what Christ comes to offer us tonight. And it may be that some of you have never really received this gift, never believed in him. Maybe you're watching online tonight and you've never trusted Christ, never, never embraced him. And it may be that you're feeling the Holy Spirit stirring in your heart, calling out to you. You may feel a restlessness in your heart tonight, an, an anxiousness, an unsettledness. You know, there was a man named Augustine who once felt the same way. And he later wrote that our hearts are restless until they find their rest in Christ. Our hearts are restless until they find their rest in Christ. Friends, I want to encourage you tonight. Find your rest this Christmas season in Jesus. Amen? Yeah. Don't let this be the end of your journey. Let it be a new beginning. Let's pray. Father, we do pray that it is the new beginning. Maybe it's a new beginning for someone here who has, gosh, just been really distant from you for a long time and now is feeling that call to come home. Maybe it's the new beginning for someone who's never really fully embraced you, never given their life to you, never believed you, never trusted you. And tonight is the night. Tonight's the night. They unwrap that gift for the first time and they, and they receive Jesus into their hearts and they're made a part of Jesus' family. Father, we know this is your great desire. And so if there are people here tonight, whether watching online or with us, and they want to take that step. They want to start those first steps back home to you, back home to your family, back home to this, this wonderful community, God, that you are building and growing throughout the world, Lord, we pray. That they would just pray a really simple prayer. And that is this. Lord, I open my heart to you. I receive this inexpressible gift that you have given me in your son, Jesus Christ. I place my trust in him. I believe him. I receive him. And I thank you for the gift of becoming your child. It's really not hard. It's not difficult. It's not complicated. It's simply opening our hearts up to you, Father. And so I pray that if people have done that tonight, whether again online or here in person, they would come and share that. Share it with me, share it with Pastor Gary, share it with someone on the worship team. We might celebrate with you, God, the gift of new life, the gift of eternal life that you offer us in Christ Jesus. Lord, we give you thanks for coming all the way down to earth to deliver this message in person. We pray these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let me ask the worship team to come on back.